It's wonderful. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for the joy that we have. We thank you for the joy of your word. Fill us this morning so that we too sing your praises. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, like I talked about, I was, I've just been filled with gratitude, and it's just, it is just wonderful, and it just kind of lifts your soul, doesn't it? And songs like that kind of also lift your soul, and it's just wonderful that we get to sing songs like that during this Christmas season. You know, we get to sing the, these wonderful songs, Joy to the World, the Lord has come. And then we also, you know, during this time, although we're not singing it, there's the Hallelujah Chorus. For he shall reign forever and ever. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, okay, I know we didn't practice it, but you were doing it in your minds, right? Singing hallelujah, right? Because songs like this lift our soul heavenward. They are uh, a prayer unto the Lord. They are uh, a praise unto God. So songs like praise with that joyous gratitude are found throughout Scripture. The Psalms, I don't know if you know this, but the Psalms were all songs. They're meant to be sung. We don't have the music for it, so we read them rather than sing them. But there are other places in Scripture, although they're not specifically songs, they read like songs. And so this morning, we're going to focus one song. In honor of our Savior's birth, we are going to sing a song together. It is one of Mary's song. It is called the Magnificat. And it means, in Latin, Magnificat means to magnify or to exalt. My soul magnifies the Lord. So we're going to learn this song together so that we too, our souls are lifted up heavenward. And the structure of this, like a song, is we're going to do an overture, and then we've got four stanzas. Okay, so let's go with our reading and the overture of blessing. Luke chapter 1, verse 39. In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town of Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Now, this overture begins quietly enough. We know from Luke's account that Mary has been visited by the angel Gabriel, and she's been told that she is going to conceive a child, and his name is Jesus, for he will be Savior of the world. So she goes to visit her, her cousin Elizabeth. Actually, I don't mean the relationship. Cousin, right? Yeah, cousin. You're all going like, I don't know. Okay, we'll go with it. Yeah, I know. Family trees are tough for me. But so she goes to visit Elizabeth, right? And it's not like she goes, Elizabeth, Elizabeth, guess what? No, she's probably like, hi, Elizabeth. You know, it's just a normal greeting. But at the sound of even that greeting, what did the baby John the Baptist still in the womb do? He leapt for joy. It says this, for behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt, leaped for joy. Do you ever hear a song, you know, it starts off with a clash of cymbals? It really gets your attention. I mean, Elizabeth's attention was really gotten at that moment because that's like the clash of cymbal, John the Baptist in the womb jumping for joy, which is appropriate because John the Baptist 
was a herald for Jesus. So he jumps for joy. There's a fanfare. Think of trumpets, you know. And then what's amazing is there comes a statement of faith. For Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. And there's faith. You see, any any encounter with Jesus of knowing him as Lord and Savior brings faith to your heart. So what does she say? Filled by the Holy Spirit, she exclaimed with a loud voice, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? She couldn't have known that that baby Jesus in the womb yet was her Lord unless the Holy Spirit had filled her, had brought her to that knowledge. And so we find that by the power of the Holy Spirit, comes faith in Christ Jesus. This is why we share Jesus. This is why we share God's word with everybody, but it is by the power of the Holy Spirit that people really come to faith. So anytime you're having a conversation with someone, you should be praying for the Holy Spirit to be present, to open their hearts so that they too may be filled with faith. And she says... And with this faith comes a blessing. And blessed is she who has believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. So she blesses her for knowing that God had fulfilled his promise and that promise was Jesus yet in the womb. I mean, what an overture, right? Jumping for joy, faith, the Holy Spirit. And so now... Mary starts to sing, and it is an aria. It is a grand song unto the Lord. It is a stanza of glory, glorifying and rejoicing. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. That first stanza begins, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And there it is, the Magnificat. My soul magnifies the Lord. Now, when she says this, it's not like the Lord needs any magnifying, anything to be greater than he already is. So what does that magnify really mean? Well, to magnify is to give glory or to give praise. So when you exalt the Lord, you are giving glory and praise. Psalms have this throughout. Psalm 69, I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. Or Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. So the voices throughout Scripture are lifting up, exalting God, our Savior. So Mary's song is not just one of exaltation and rejoicing. It has a foundation to it. See, a lot of people are happy and they can be joyous without the foundation. It's the foundation that really brings the joy. So this is 
what she does. The first reason is that she rejoices, she glorifies for what the Lord has done. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. You know, we've taken a look at throughout Scripture, and it's not the high and mighty that the Lord necessarily blesses. He often takes the ordinary, the humble, and he looks with favor upon them, which is good news for all of us, right? Yeah. He looks with favor upon the humble. And so God has favored her. Now, this is important. Mary is not magnifying herself here. She's magnifying the Lord because he, God, has shown her favor. Sometimes in some denominations it gets switched around and people start to magnify Mary, but it is Mary who's magnifying the Lord. So in this case, because of what God has done, because of what God has done, all generations will call her blessed. And the focus of the song is not how great Mary is, but how great the Lord is. So this is a a stanza of glorifying and rejoicing. And then she continues on with her song, talking about the reason why is that he is mighty, that he is holy, and he is merciful. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. So in this second stanza, she's singing about who God is, his nature, his attributes, if you will. First of all, that he is mighty. Now, there are a number of names for God throughout the Old Testament. One is El Shaddai, mighty God, almighty God. This is the one who is the creator. And we talked about this on Christmas Eve. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. By his word, he created everything out of nothing. This is God, El Shaddai, almighty God. The one in whom all things are possible. The one in whom there is life, where we often see death. He brings life and restoration. And we confess Almighty God each and every week. And once a month, we also do the Nicene Creed. I Say it with me. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. This is El Shaddai, God Almighty. He is also holy. You know, you and I have talked about this numerous times. One of the things that our culture has lost nowadays is the holiness of God, the transcendence of God, the purity of God, that he is separate from everything else, that he is holy. And so holy is he that around the throne, all of the angelic creatures sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And you know what? When we are in heaven, a couple things will happen. First of all, we'll be surprised that we're there. I made it! Whoa! Right? 
But then around the throne, we too, in the presence of his holiness, will sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Mary sings about the holiness of God. She also sings then about the merciful nature of God. Her song is is thanking God for his mercy. And what is mercy? We've talked about this before. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. When I was in college, I got invited to a wedding from a friend from uh, Morris, Minnesota. It was about a three-hour drive. I looked on the map. There wasn't Google Maps then. I looked on the map. Two ways to get there. One was a little longer on the, on the interstate. Another was a highway. So I took the highway, thinking, that's a little shorter. I'll get there faster. It stopped every 10 miles, and there was a town. 50 miles, 55, 30. 55, 30. I was late. I started going a little faster in between towns. By the time I was almost to the last one, I was going like 70 because I was really late. And of course, a straight state trooper pulled me over. And I said, you know, I'm really sorry. I'm late. I'm trying to get to a wedding. And do you know what he said? Well, who's getting married? (laughs) I was like, it was a small town, you know. So I told him and he said, all right, well, just drive slowly. Did I deserve a ticket? Yes. Did I get a ticket? No. He showed mercy. You see, God is merciful. But people try to make his mercy cheap. They think that he will always withhold judgment because of his mercy. But then they don't understand how holy he is and how righteous he is. And he must judge against all sin. Sin and his holiness are incompatible. They cannot go together. And so he will always give a judgment against sin. And what is that judgment against sin? It is eternal separation from him. We call that hell. That is the judgment because he is holy, but he is also merciful. And so for those who know Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior, he gives mercy. And we do not get the judgment that we deserve. Paul writes this in his letter to Ephesians, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace. You have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. You know what? You want to know what Christmas is really about? Christmas is really a story of mercy and grace. It is a story of mercy and grace. That God not only withholds the judgment, but he gives us grace in Christ Jesus. That his son bore the wrath of all of the judgment that we deserve 
so that by faith in him, we are with him in the heavenly places. And we then too around the throne can say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's Christmas, right? We've got the manger here, baby Jesus. And if you haven't seen baby Jesus here, you should come take a look. Mercy and grace. And when we receive the gift of Christ Jesus by faith, we are saved by his grace. We are made children of God as we covered on Christmas Eve. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who are born not of blood or of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That's Christmas. That's Christmas. So Mary is singing this aria of how he is a mighty God, a holy God, a merciful God. She lifts her soul, and then she sings even more about the work of God. Verse 51, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud within the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. So in Mary's song here, we find that God humbles the proud and raises the humble. Here we find actually dissonance or discomfort followed by harmony and comfort. What's the dissonance or discomfort? Well, it's this verse here. It says, He scatters the proud in the thoughts of their hearts, brought down the mighty from their throne. The rich will be sent away empty. So this should all give us a little pause here because it does not say he scatters just the rich, just the powerful, or those who are online and being braggarts and talking about how great they are. He says, it says this, scatter the proud in the thoughts of their own heart. So our own hearts can be prideful, right? We can think that we're a little bit better than others. You know, we, we use that scale, don't we? Well, I mean, not here. I'm not here, but I'm, I'm a little above average, right? Everybody's a little above average, aren't you? Yeah, just a little bit. You know, and even if you say, even if you're wrong, you kind of think, well, I'm, I, I'm not really wrong. I'm just not as right as I normally am. <laughs> you know, we have our own pride, don't we? So here's, here's this. Pride goes before what? We often shorten this, but here's the full ver- Proverbs. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So yes, it does get shortened there, but it's, it's a little bit more depth to it than how we shorten it. So sometimes that destruction, that fall is hard, Sometimes it's a little humorous and to uh, help us understand that we might not be as good as we think we are. I came across this story. It actually is uh, by Brad Henry, who lived in Phoenix at one time. He says this, It was early morning and I stopped at a Dunkin' Donuts drive-thru. 
I said to the woman at the window, I'll have three cake donuts and a cup of coffee. She started mumbling something that I couldn't hear. I thought she must not be able to hear me if she hasn't opened that window. She needs to open that window. I, was having, I hadn't had my coffee yet, and I was getting annoyed. Again, I said, three cake, three cake donuts and cup of coffee. And again, I heard her mumbling through the glass. So I thought, you know what? I'm just going to have to stick my head through that window of hers and let everyone know inside the restaurant what I want. So I did. I leaned forward to tell her what I thought and smack. She hadn't forgotten to open up her window. I'd forgotten to open up mine. I hit my head so hard that I saw stars. She started laughing, and I can't tell you how embarrassed I was. I finally got my three cake donuts and my coffee, and she drove away sheepishly while she was still laughing. So sometimes God gives us little things along the way to remind us that we're not as good as we think we are. He humbles us. Sometimes he humbles us in ways that are hard because we might be stubborn as mules. But at the same time, there's comfort in Mary's song. It's a great, great comfort because God raises the humble. It says this, He has filled the hungry with good things. Now, when I read that, I can't help but think of the Beatitudes from Matthew. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. You know, when we hear about hungering for good things, we might think about all the wonderful treats and cookies that are available and all the wonderful meals, but that's not what this verse is really about. Because you will eat and still be hungry along the way. But the good things of God really satisfy you in a way that nothing else can. And so it's a hungering and thirsting for righteousness. For his love, for Jesus. For his truth, for love, for grace, for mercy, for forgiveness. This satisfies us. And you know what? When we have that, we have gratitude. When we are filled by his good things, we have gratitude. This is what she is singing about here. And finally, in this fourth stanza, she she talks and sings about the promises, the eternal promises of God. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring. So if, there, if, if this was like a, 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 an aria in a movie, this would be like the end of the movie, you know, and it pans out wide, and there's wonderful sunrise in there, and there's celestial strings that are playing, and the music just rises in this wonderful crescendo. Because this promise, this stanza speaks of the eternal promise of God, and that's what we've been talking about throughout all of Advent of Christmas, of God's promises, his steadfast love, his promise to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. He has promised to Moses, 
his promise to the Israelites to bring them out of slavery, and in Isaiah, his promise to bring us out of darkness into his light. These are the promises, and they are fulfilled, they are made manifest in Jesus. She's singing, remember, about the joy of Jesus, who's still in her womb. But the promise isn't just for the birth of Christ Jesus. It is an eternal promise. So it talks not just about the here and now. It talks about in the future as well. Remember, I talked about us being around the throne singing, holy, holy, holy. And if you go to Revelation chapter 5, you have this wonderful song of the myriads of angelic beings, of the angels singing this. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And then at the very end, there's a sweet, song. It says, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Brothers and sisters, this is the depth, the breadth, the grandeur of Mary's song. So this Christmas season. Think upon the blessings that God has given you. The favor that he has shown you in Jesus. Ponder anew his might, his holiness, his mercy. Hunger to be filled by the good things of God. Be comforted by his promise of eternal life for you in Christ Jesus. And then you know what you need to do? Sing! Sing! Let your soul magnify the Lord. And everyone says, Amen. Amen. We should sing Hallelujah, right?